The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Uh, we are here and we are ready to go. It is uh, 7.07 and welcome to the show. Stan Fainzelberg is here taking care of all your phone calls and your questions when it comes to our uh, broadcast this evening. And of course, we're going to get into a lot of our uh, usual employment uh, topics that you like to talk about, your emails, your phone calls. want to mention as well, the phone line's already open, 416-870-6400. You want to send an email along with a uh, question as well, you can do that anytime, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get into all kinds of things as mentioned tonight and uh, resignations being one of them. But for the uh, the week that was, we're going to talk about something different uh, off the top, Stan, but we decided to, you know, far be it from us to switch gears too drastically about the talk of the day, or at least the talk of the month and not talking about COVID-19. But of course, you and I, not not the ones in a situation to talk about the medical aspect of it. Uh, that's being covered quite well elsewhere, especially on uh, Global News Radio as well. But no, with us, it's more of uh, the recent uh, speech made by uh, Trudeau about EI and stuff about people, uh, you know, the capability to, you know, rest assured staying at home if they have to, if they're sick, or basically anything under the employment and job umbrella is what we want to uh, talk about off the uh, the top here. So you are the guy I'm going to ask, what do you think about all this? Where does it take us? Yeah, I mean, the coronavirus, you know, the week that was, the week that is, the week that will be, uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly. everywhere. I mean, and yeah. it's not going away and it's going to affect, the, you know, the economy and certainly a lot of people's employment. And uh, it's a topic that I'm discussing with my employee clients and especially the employer clients, a lot of questions sure. around it. So one of the big questions that I'm getting, John, is, you know, employer clients are wondering, what do we do? As you, as you may have noticed, a lot of companies out there have put out press releases saying, hey, if you've been to an affected area, we want you to self-quarantine. We want you to take the government's advice, take that 14-day period and quarantine yourself to make sure you're not affected. And certainly this brings up a really topical question. Who bears the brunt of that self-quarantine right. economically? You know, a lot of people have, you know, the possibility of working from home. All they need is a computer and a cell phone, and really they can be anywhere. But then there's certainly a lot of people who don't have that possibility, who work, you know, have to be on site if they're in construction, if they're in retail. You can't take that home and do it, uh, do it from home. So yeah. really, the question becomes, you know, again, who owes, who bears this economic brunt? And my employer clients are wondering if they're the ones who have to essentially pay people, even if they're not providing the services for which they're being contracted to be, to provide. And, and luckily, I mean, our government has actually come out today and addressed this problem. They really, because the answer here is that you can put lay someone off temporarily for this period have them go into self-quarantine and apply for e- through EI for what we call sick benefits. And, and to the government's credit today, they came out and they waived the one-week period that there's a usual waiting period before EI can kick okay. in. And they've, you know, it's a small gesture for sure, but it's going to help people in this situation, I would think, that they've waived this one-week period and allowed them to start collecting EI right away. So there's a little bit less of an impact on an employee's financial circumstances. Again, this is uh, this is super topical. You got uh, questions about this. Stan is here for the remainder of the uh, the hour. Of course, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Some of the uh, some of the water cooler talk already. I've heard about this since this thing broke with uh, the government announcing those uh, those measures. Is hey, I only get like four sick days a year. What if I got to stay home for fourteen? Am I going to get docked that way? 
Yeah, again, I mean, if you've got to self-quarantine, then it's not, you know, I think that at the end of the day, your employer should rightfully be putting you on layoff because any time an employee misses more than five days of work consecutively, technically, you know, as long as it's not vacation, then that per- the employer is required to provide a record of employment to the government of Canada so that wow. that employee can go and access Benefits like EI sick pay. Now, keep in mind that to access this benefit, you will still, as far as we know right now, require a medical note from a physician saying that this just is just about to ask that. Yeah, just about to ask that. Okay. Yeah. So if okay. you are being required to self quarantine, you may still need to go and talk to your doctor just to confirm that this is a what you need to do. But more importantly, to get the mm-hmm. proper documentation that you can go and provide to this uh, Service Canada, so you can access the EI sick benefits. Just before we uh, bounce over the phone calls here, and, and thank you for taking your time again, 416-870-6400 if you have concerns. How does this uh, affect union employees? Because I know generally, as we've been talking about for years on the show, when it comes to hiring an, an employment lawyer on the outside, you are bound by the collective agreement. You cannot do that. How does this affect a union employee or does it? Well, it's, it's a great question. And uh, I mean, it's really hard to say because at the end of the day, the union employees' rights are governed by the collective agreement, whatever's right. negotiated. And, you know, in a lot of circumstances, I imagine, they haven't come up with a contingency for this type of scenario. What happens if we have a global pandemic and people can't come to work for months on end? You know, right. I, that hasn't probably been, been thought up of by a bunch of very clever lawyers writing this collective agreement. So oftentimes they'll fall under some ambiguous provisions, talking about sick pay, uh, mm-hmm. talking about temporary layoffs, uh, and very much so they'll likely operate as they would in the employment context. You know, if they have a layoff provision that allows people to get, uh, a company to lay employees off, then employer can certainly invoke that. Largely, I'm sure, in negotiations with unions, but they can invoke that, and those people can have access to these programs as well. All right, man, we're going to uh, continue on here. I know you got the boxing gloves on. This one's going to be uh, sweating you for the next hour, and that was the whole point of bringing this topic off the top, 416-870-6400. Let's, uh, let's bring it on. Tim, how are you? Thanks for, uh, thanks for hanging on for a minute, fella. How are you tonight? Good, good. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I just have uh, two quick questions. Sure. Uh, number one, I'm self-employed. I don't have any EI or any sort of insurance, like critical, mm-hmm. none of that. So if that happens to me, do I have some, some sort of coverage? But yeah, instructor, we don't have any sort of uh, EI or great question. Yeah, I think this is kind of the gap that you've noted in uh, in tr- the recent government actions that they haven't addressed what people are going to do who don't pay into EI, who, who are self-employed, such as yourself, Tim, who can't access the program. As far as I'm aware right now, unfortunately, I don't think there is a program that deals with your situation that would allow you to be compensated. Yeah, that would be great because in our job, like we deal with uh, clients every day, right? Because we deal with like high school kids, international students, mm-hmm. people that are looking to get their license. We have a lot of exposure to that kind of virus. So uh, that's one thing. And number two, uh, if there was a coverage, would they cover you for like just for the basic stuff? Or what about like, you know, because in our business, like the insurance is way too expensive. Like the insurance is not going to wait for you to recover. They're still going to want their payment. and. And same goes with, like, rent and things like that. Would they cover all of that, or is it just, like, the basic needs, like food and everything? Well, you know, keep in mind EI is a very specific program. What they cover is they provide you with a small uh, payment, the payment generally being topping out at about 537 uh, G- gross. 
So it's going to be frank. It's going to be less than your income in, in many circumstances for people. So it only really is meant to cover the basics, things like insurance and other things like that. That's not what this p- program encompasses. Uh, it will be very difficult for some some employment then because uh, I'm sure you know you come mm-hmm. across a lot of like us. Like we we don't just have expenses with food and there's other stuff we have to pay out of pocket, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm no question. And I mean, I think you brought up a very, very important and again, topical uh, issue, something that I think needs to be addressed with the legislature, something that needs to be brought up to the government's attention, because it clearly this seems like a blind spot. Again, 416-870-6400. Still a couple minutes to go here before we take our first break, but don't let that stop you. Feel free to call in with your questions, especially on this very topical topic uh, on the tonight's show. Chris, uh, we'll get to you next. How are you, pal? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Thanks, man. Uh, Just a quick question about um, somebody that's still on their 90-day probation period and how this would affect them if they're put into quarantine. Is there any obligation on the employer to to do anything for, for me or anybody else in that situation? Well, so a quarantine in this situation would work a lot like a, you know, temporary disability. If you broke your leg, let's say, and couldn't come into work, regardless of whether you're on probation or not, you have certain job protection rights as an employee and this is the same thing if you're required to quarantine because of medical reasons you have certain protections under the human rights code and under the employment standards act that ensure that your employer can't just use this as an excuse to to get rid of you and to get rid of your job right okay awesome okay great guys i appreciate that thanks again thanks chris Chris, appreciate that. And we should mention as well that maybe Chris would want to check out. Again, this is going back to more of the employment stuff we talk about every week. He it, it, it's not he might not necessarily be on probation. That is something not automatic when you start a job, correct? That is a that is a creature of an employment contract. Absolutely, John. Right? Uh, at the end of the day, if your employment contract doesn't say you're on probation, then you're not on probation. People have right. you know that assumption that oh, the first three months they're always probation. No, that has to be explicitly written into a contract. You so bet. that yeah, uh, Jay, we're going to get to you next year before we break because uh, it's an interesting thing you asked. Jay, thanks for uh, for calling into the show tonight. How are you? Good. How you guys doing? Good, pal. What's uh, what's up with you? What's your question? Well, uh, long time listener, and you guys always talk about layoffs. If if an employer lays you off, you should treat it as a constructive dismissal. Yes. Mm-hmm. They can lay you yeah. off afterwards, mm-hmm. right? So now you're saying kind of with this COVID thing to take it as a layoff. If you do that, does that entitle your employer to be able to lay you off in the future? Awesome question. Great question. Absolutely. And, you know, the sort of gray answer I can give you is it depends. Because at one point, you know, one can make the argument that it's still absolutely constructive dismissal, that there's nothing in an implicit or explicit contract that allows your employer to lay you off, even in these types of situations. However, if you're taking the government's advice in following instructions like of self-quarantine, and there is a frustration of contract element. I mean, the employer can reasonably say that we're taking, first of all, not only is this uh, you know, not our fault because this is something we haven't anticipated and it's really you know, arguably a, a creature that was unforeseen and therefore creates a frustration of contract issue, hmm. but also they can point to the Occupational Health and Safety Act and say, well, that act requires us to maintain a, a safe work environment for our employees. And if the government's saying that these people should be quarantined, how can we, you know, do that and lay them off if we're going to be hit with a constructive dismissal but at the same time we can't allow them to necessarily come back because that may create an unsafe work environment under that act so again i mean as these things kind of work their way through the system a lot of questions will be answered but right now because it's so fresh it's hard to say 
exactly what the answer in these situations are. So it would be it would be one of these things if that happened to someone, they'd have to talk to you then, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Always a good call. Yeah, never hurts to have a conversation. Jay, appreciate the call, and uh, we'll get to more of this after a, a short break. We're going to get right into it and some other topics as well. But if this still is a concern for you, because it is hot news, of course, COVID-19 and all the uh, details coming back from the uh, government earlier today, give us a call, 416-870-6400. Lots more to go. We are just getting warmed up in the Wednesday night edition Employment Law Show right here, Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And thanks for joining us uh, here uh, back in the Employment Law Show. Yeah, 416-870-6400. If you have general employment questions, that's why we do this show four times a week. And if you have questions about uh, the newly announced uh, dealings with the government as far as COVID-19 or concern, coronavirus, uh, feel free to call in about those. You know, I want to go back to Jay's call that we took just before we broke. And it was an interesting call, basically, in a nutshell, saying, you know, you guys have said for years that, you know, a temporary layoff, unless it's outlined in a uh, in an employment agreement, it is a termination and you don't have to accept it. But now with the government ruling saying you can go off and lay off to get out and quarantine yourself for 14 days, uh, you said, you know, the, the the employer might have some basis to hold to hold true moving forward after this is all said and done. But I think the employee would as well if they, if, you know, say next September, said employer says, hey, you know what, I'm going to lay you off again. Business has been slow because of last spring. You say, well, you can't lay me off. They said, oh, well, we can because you accepted it when the coronavirus was big. Can the employee now turn around and say, no, well, that was a special circumstance laid out by the government. I haven't forfeited my right to, to be laid off. Would that work as well? They could, they could battle this endlessly, no? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, this is about the everything turns on the facts. You know, yeah. certain circumstances and certain uh, principles may apply in one situation when they don't in another. And uh, uh, there's always an exception to a hard and fast rule. So, again, yeah. even in circumstances like this, just because you accepted this one time because of, you know, the, the coronavirus being <laughs> spread everywhere, doesn't mean you've allowed the employer to for, lay you off in perpetuity whenever they want. Nice. Yeah, that's exactly what we're trying to what we're trying to get down to. But I guess we'll see in the next coming months or at least few months anyway, if that ends up coming down. I'm sure we'll get calls about it. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred is the number you want to reach out through email to Stan. You could do that as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you have not gone there before and you need more information when it comes to employment law, everything under that rather wide topic, simple man. We got it. You already have it with you right now. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You can go there and find out about uh, you know being temporarily laid off of termination about severance pay, even about disability law, there's a section there as well. So it's free, it's anonymous, feel free to use it. And from there, you can contact Stan or Leora, a member of the team, again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But the phone calls, waiting for more to line up here. We'll uh, we'll get to your calls as you bring them in. you got a ton of time. Feel free to, uh, to ask your questions, 416-870-6400. Uh, I'm going to flip over to resignation. So I want to talk about this topic for a bit, because we do cover it kind of as other topics, but I know you want to focus a little bit on this uh, tonight's stand, so we'll get to it. So my employers mm-hmm. tell me that I can either be fired for cause or resign, and he will help me get EI. Do I have to resign? Now, I know I know what you're going to say. A lot of employees would say, oh, I don't want the fired on my quote-unquote permanent record. What say you about that? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, actually, I hear that all the time, and I'm not sure where the idea of this permanent record kind of comes from. <laughs> I, where they have it written down that you know anybody can look up on the internet. Oh, he he was fired for cause. You know, there's no such database out there. And and in this particular situation, this is certainly a false dichotomy. You, you, those aren't your options. In reality, you know, you're being terminated. Being given the option to either be terminated for cause or to be terminated by resigning are really is really no option at all. So right. certainly you don't have to resign. And even if you did in that situation, you know, I would argue that that was a, something that was forced upon you. And it's not a true resignation anyway. 416-870-6400. And if you just joined us, we were talking, or at least we started the first talk about the conversation about uh, the, you know, the, the self-quarantine as handed down by the government. And the question that a lot of people are going to be asking, and it's okay if you didn't tune into the first part. Alex, I know you're asking the same question. You must be self-employed, right? Uh, yes. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Just had a question. Yep. Technically, I am self-employed by it. In the eyes of the law, I'm uh, probably an employee, basically. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering uh, if <laughs> I'm a lot of luck, or uh, I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, you know, EI is a program that you ultimately pay into, and whether from a employment perspective or even a tax perspective, you're determined to be an employee at law. If you haven't, even employees who haven't paid into the program don't automatically have access to it. You have to have a certain amount of insurable hours to access the program. Uh, EI sick benefits uh, it works slightly differently, but nevertheless, if you haven't been classified and been paying into EI, then you're ultimately not le- going to have access to that program. Okay, yeah, so it won't be up. Okay, so even though, like, uh, if I have, a, like, a corporation, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess the CPP is a little bit different than the EI, yeah? Right, that's uh, the pension plan, yeah, that's which pension is... Pension plan, yeah, that's completely different. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Okay, I see. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it, Alex. Thank you, Colette. That's, that's going to be a massive question with this thing moving forward. I mean, that's three phone calls out of six mm-hmm. we've had about being self-employed. I mean, yeah, what do you do? I mean, you hope you got, to, as a self-employed, to run your own business like I do. I mean, you just hope that you you got a bit of a cushion, a bit of a nest egg that you can you can lock yourself away for two weeks and stay away from potential clients and, and other people if you have to. That's a, that's, a scary, that's a scary thought, right? Yeah, well, hopefully a lot of self-employed people are out there have some form of group benefits that they've gotten for themselves uh, because yeah. in a situation like this I think they would have an excellent claim if they had to self-quarantine and couldn't work for short-term disability pay which right. is exactly yeah. why that why you pay into that program to begin with but if you yeah. don't have those benefits again it seems right now that that's kind of a blind spot that the government needs to address 416-870-6400 talking about matters with the uh, coronavirus COVID-19 or anything else as, as far as that's concerned when it comes to your employment as we do on any other normal show here on the Employment Law Show so feel free to uh, to bring it on in the meantime talking about resignation so you get into a heated argument with your employer heat of the moment you tell him you know what I've had enough I'm out I'm quit and then you left later that rate uh, you wrote him a email apologizes and say yeah you know uh, you know a couple hours ago when i kind of stormed out the door and then broke a coffee mug <laughs> i didn't mean it i want to come back is it too late or can they just say no man the door shut on your ass and the way out you're out of here <laughs> well you know it would kind of i think depend on your scenario on how you broke that coffee mug if it was going at your boss's <laughs> head you may not yeah. probably too late yeah. at that point but in, right. in otherwise you know the the the, the law allows an employee in a situation like this, it recognizes that people in heat of moments say things that they may not mean. Often when right. these discussions get heated, there's things being said from both perspectives that they're probably, you know, a little bit uh, un- ashamed of moving after the fact. 
Sure. But so the law recognizes that you can actually rescind your resignation if it's done quickly enough, and if your employer hasn't relied upon it already by NRA taking actions, you know, to put you know, to essentially put up a job posting or something like that, taking action to actually have you replaced. You say take it quickly, so a day or two as opposed to, you know, six months ago when I quit? Like, it's it's got to be pretty soon, right? Yeah, I mean, context is everything here. Uh, I can tell you I had a case where one of my employee clients got frustrated with his employer for a number of reasons and gave him two weeks' notice. And he, you know, uh, the Thursday, the day before he was essentially leaving, he decided to have a conversation with me. And so I told him right away that, you know, you put in an email right now and tell him you've, you've thought about it and you're not, you don't want your last day to be tomorrow and you want to rescind the resignation. And just because he had had second thoughts and ultimately that's what we ended up doing. The employer said, no, it's too late. And, you know, at that point we had some legal defense and to say, well, no, no, he rescinded it. We don't see any way that you've actually relied upon it. You haven't hired anyone. You haven't started looking. Right. And, and so we were able to have to to take pursue the employer in that situation and get some compensation for him. Going to talk about resignations more here. In the meantime, 416-870-6400 is the way to go. Get to get your call on the air. Rick, thanks for uh, for hanging on. Good evening. How are you, brother? Hello, gentlemen. How are you doing? Good, sir. Hey, what's, uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I'm a trucker out of London, Ontario here. We uh, work for a company where a subcontractor Canada Post. But anyway, uh, the story is we had a guy come back from work a while back there. He just was on WSIB, and uh, they kind of stuck him with me. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell me. They just kind of forced him on me saying, okay, you got to you know, retrain this fellow here and uh, this kind of stuff here. And I approached him and say, you know, you're going to treat me as a driver trainer. I should be compensated over and above my wage. Because there's nothing mm-hmm. in my employment agreement saying that I have to train anybody or, you know, that way there. I, I, I should be within my right to ask to be compensated properly over and above. Well, you're certainly within your rights to ask for additional compensation. You know, there's certain things that are within the purview of the company to, to do on the margins to give you an additional duty here, as long as it's not fundamental to, to the employment contract, and I'm assuming you're still able to do your job, and, and as long as you're not required to work additional hours, then the I would say the employer likely has the ability to, to make you train this individual, and as, again, as long as it's within the hours that you agreed to, do, to work for the company already. Yeah, I see, I see what you mean there, but I mean, they're, they're trying to treat me as a driver trainer, and I told them, said, you know, I'm not certified by the MTO in the province of Ontario. Well, if there's a regulatory standard or barrier there, then that's certainly a different question, because now they're, try- now they're trying to do something that circumvents the regulations. Yeah. And, and you yeah. can bring that up and say, well, I, you know, if the MTO, for whatever reasons, pulls us over and they see this, you know, we can both be fined. And certainly yeah. that would constitute, I think, unsafe work that you can reasonably refuse. Yeah, yeah. See, this guy, he, he just came out of college here, fresh out of a financial college, a driver training course there a while back. He's an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he worked a couple of days and got hurt. He'd been off and he came back and he said, well, company's responsibility to offer him with modified training through WSIB. So they didn't tell me that. They just kind of slammed him on to me. And then he said, you know, I come to work with me. And there's this guy waiting. I said, what's going on? Well, he says, you're retraining me. I said, well, thanks a lot. So they didn't tell me. I'm, you know, I should be, like I said, I should be compensated properly for this. That's the way I'm looking at it. You know, they're, they're more or less to be classifying me as a driver trainer. They didn't say it, but that's the way I look at it. Yeah, again, if that's a specific classification or specific regulation or certificate yeah. that you would get for that, then I agree with you that, you know, that's an issue. Uh, if they're just asking you to do this in addition to some of your other duties and regular job, then I think it's within the purview of management to make that kind of change or slight change to your duties 
and yeah. not necessarily provide you with additional compensation as long again as you're not required to work more hours. Yeah, because when I got hired on, it wasn't it wasn't one of the conditions of employment that way. I'm just. Yeah, well, again, I mean, the, the company is in a bit of a difficult position as well, where they have legal obligations to accommodate this individual, and WSIB right. has told them that, you know, they have to do that. They're just trying to—there's no right answer sometimes, and they're trying to make, make the best out of a ter- kind of difficult situation. Rick, appreciate the uh, appreciate the call, pal. And uh, moving on here, 416-870-6400 is the way to call through. Jerry, thank you for hanging on. Good evening. How's it going? Good, Jerry. What's uh, what's on your mind, pal? Um, I was uh, recently let go from my uh, employment um, last week, and mm-hmm. I and uh, when I was let go, um, I asked what was the cause, and they told me it's in the letter. I read the letter before signing it because I'm not going to sign anything while reading it. And after they then told me to speak to HR after I leave the premises after because. They were having me my termination, so when I go home, whatever, I guess I call HR. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, I talked to HR this morning, and they didn't really give me any clear-cut reason why I was like, go. Oh. And there's no, there's no specific reason on my termination paper why I was like, go. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, Jerry, I mean, the, the law in Ontario essentially is that an employer can let an employee go for really any reason, as long as that reason isn't discriminatory, and as long as they provide you with a fair severance package based on your age, your position, and your length of employment. So I, I hear this a lot of times that employees are very frustrated with uh, f- their former companies saying, I, I don't understand, I, there was no reason, no reason was given. And a lot of times just the employer doesn't have to give you that reason, as long as well, they're giving well, you fair that's, compensation. That's what- well, that's the thing. I have uh, faced uh, problems there in the past with, um, I guess, just like a somewhat a uh, little bit toxic work environment. And uh, and on another issue, uh, I have, as reported, they themselves. I've told them. I've I've told them that I do face one one or two. Um, I guess you could say like uh, restrictions. No, no, no. Like, um, just a little bit of uh, mental ups and downs once in a while. Okay. So, so you, you are you saying that you advised them of a potential dis disability? They were aware. They were they were aware of it too, and um, we I had like a conversation with the uh, warehouse manager like a week prior to being terminated, mm-hmm. and I told them that at the moment. Uh, I was just like going through some stuff at the moment, and then uh, well, I'll just hang in there. And then two weeks later, I'm just terminated for no cause, and I wasn't given like a full reason. So again, I mean, if you think that there uh, that the reason for your termination was at all related to any kind of disability, physical or mental, then certainly that may be discriminatory, and and essentially make the termination illegal, but. You know, that's something that's has to be proven, and you have to have some some sort of indication that that was the case here. Um, well, like I said, there is a recorded. Uh, like I, I can go in details with you, maybe in like a private conversation. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like actually a conversation that would be great for you to call into our offices uh, tomorrow yeah. and have us review whatever package you've got, and also talk about the potential discrimination going on here. So, give us a call at the office tomorrow, Jerry. I'm happy to speak with you. 
Jerry, appreciate your time. Here is that number. Write it down and give Stan a call. Indeed, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900 is the way to go. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Very simple. But for the uh, remaining time in the show tonight, 416-870-6400. The way to call through and ask your questions just like that. Catherine, thanks for standing by. How are you? Hello. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm okay. As for my friend, uh, she works for a member of provincial parliament. So this should mm-hmm. be interesting for your um, your interviewee. Uh, as for exposing herself to constituents um, in light of the coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, how mm-hmm. can my friend, who works for a member of provincial parliament in Ontario, protect herself if, you know, my friend gets sick. What are her protections? She's obviously not unionized. Uh, so can you help me with anything regarding that? Yeah, again, I would point uh, point you to the Occupational Health and Safety Act, which requires every employer in Ontario to provide a safe working environment. And and if your friend in this instance feels that her environment is unsafe because she's now have or she has to interact with large crowds in this particular in these circumstances, then she can voice her opinion and essentially refuse unsafe work. Uh, and, really? Yeah. Again, I mean, and then they would have to conduct an investigation and potentially get the ministry involved. Uh, in these wow. situations where I mean there's a lot of a lot of companies a lot of uh, governments are telling people not to gather in large crowds she has a very what? legitimate reason to say that well I don't feel safe gathering in a large crowd really because uh, she suffers from asthma as well so in light of the coronavirus I mean the asthma can be a, a compounding factor to well the coronavirus so um what, what what would it take for her to just simply protect herself from large crowds? Well, again, she has to tell her employer that she doesn't feel it's a safe work environment, and she can speak to the Ministry of Labor if her employer is not taking her concerns uh, seriously. Oh, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. Appreciate the call. I love you too, Stan. Just saying, but uh, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting call because I mean, uh, it's someone who's asthmatic and, and coronavirus being a respiratory disease for the most part that yeah. can exacerbate it to a to a degree where yeah, you know what, I don't fa- feel safe being here, and I should be taking that fourteen days off at least, or how many time I need just to just to feel safe. And so many workplaces now are just setting people up at home to do to do exactly mm-hmm. that, right? Do video conferencing. Etc. Right? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you've got that ability to work remotely, I mean, a lot of companies have <laughs> told people to stay out of the office. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people working from home right now, and if you have that ability, I would encourage everyone to do that. But then again, there's quite a lot of people who just don't have that option. Yeah. 416-870-6400 is the number. Still got a few minutes left here. If you got uh, some time, you got a question to ask, please do it. In the meantime, talking about resignations, uh, we talk about notice. How much notice does one have to give to resign from their employment? Is there is there a hardcore number or just a number to be nice? So really there is, you know, again, this goes back to the contract. If Unless your All contract right. says I have to give X amount of weeks of notice, then there is no legal minimum or maximum that you have to g- give. Uh, so really, I mean, technically, if you have a contract that sa- doesn't say any notice, you can technically resign with zero notice. Right. But 
you know, there are certainly risks involved with doing that because in some instances, this, the kind of flip side of this, of a, what we call, the flip side of a wrongful termination is what we call a wrongful resignation. Okay, what is that? And that's a situation where essentially, let's say, you know, you've got a big sales pitch coming up this week and you're, you're the, the guy who's heading that team and your employer is absolutely relying on you for that. And if you resign at that point with no notice and your employer can show that because you did that, they've lost this huge opportunity, right. you can be held accountable for those damages so and also i mean it, nothing that severe it's just in in the interest of not burning bridges i mean it's not nice to walk in on tuesday at 9 a.m and 10 a.m saying guys look at this back i'm out of here it's it's not a cool thing to go either way right because yeah, it could come no. back you know karma's uh, uh, you know what right <laughs> absolutely i mean it's, yeah. there's always practical reasons to give your employer notice i mean the courtesy and just giving them the heads up and the ability to find your replacement because you know yeah. presumably they treated you well and you'd want to treat them well as well Difference between a resignation and a constructive dismissal. Right. So these are kind of two sides of the same coin as well. Okay. Uh, you know, on the one, a resignation and a, is, or, you know, to claim a constructive dismissal, one usually has to resign from their employment and leave the, the uh, workplace. So uh, almost every time that an employee claims constructive dismissal, the employer claims that that employee resigned or abandoned their jobs. Right. And ultimately, it's up to the law and the court system to determine who's right in that situation. Going to get to a uh, call here. Andrew's been uh, been hanging on for a minute. Andrew, good evening. Thank you for uh, for standing by. How are you tonight? Good. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Um, it's it's on the back of what the lady had to say before about working within an environment where there's lots of people. Sure. I'm in the hospitality industry. I own uh, restaurants in Toronto, and my staff are obviously open up to you know lots of people coming through the businesses. And so, if an employee doesn't feel safe in that environment, is there grounds for temporary leave of absence for those employees? And how, as an employer, do I deal with that? Uh- yeah, I mean, certainly if they're telling you that they're not, they don't feel safe coming into work because of the, the group setting, then you can reasonably say, well, clearly, I mean, there's no other way to accommodate them in that situation, I would think, because if they're not, you know, if you work in the rest, hospitality industry and this person's a waiter, if they're not there, then they really can't do their work from home. And in that instance, I would suggest that you can put them on temporary layoff and and say, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens. That person can claim EI, and hopefully when the situation gets better in the future, you can bring them back. Okay, and would that be based on like a 14 days uh, quarantine, or would it be a prolonged period until this kind of blows over? Well, it's more about the employer's employee's subjective feelings in that situation, right? Because if they're the ones who feel unsafe and you have no other way to accommodate them and there's really nothing that you know you can do of, short of shutting down the restaurant or then really, you know, I think you can put them on a layoff or a leave of absence until they feel capable of returning. Okay, great. That answers my question. Thank you very much. No Thanks, problem. Andrew. Appreciate that. And again, it's, it's kind of almost come full circle here in the last minute, and that is mm-hmm. that uh, this, this, this announcement coming down is that you can apply for EI in that situation, but you're, you're uh, going to forego the wake wheat, uh, week wait and get right on it, correct? Yeah. I mean, the government just announced that today to let people access these funds quicker, and I think it's a, a small positive step in the right direction.
You bet. Been a busy show, man. Well handled, Stan. And thank you for uh, spending your time here with us and answering so many phone calls. You want to reach out, you got more questions about what's going on currently or just employment in general, 1-855-821-5900 is the way. Go to help at employmentlawyer.ca and, of course, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is a great website as well. We're back here on the weekend shows. And don't forget Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV. That happens on your weekend mornings as well. Do not go anywhere. This is your headquarters for all the good stuff and all the news that's coming up with COVID-19, et cetera, et cetera. On Point continues next with Alex Pearson right here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.